Go with me to John chapter 6 and verse 51. We'll begin there. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 51. As you're headed there, I want to give you a little make-believe scenario this morning, okay? Um, imagine with me, it's it's about 6 p.m. at your house and you haven't eaten all day. Believe it or not, you got a quick and early start to your day and you headed out to the garage. Right now, you know that you're a guy. <clears throat> you headed out to the garage to do some work today. As a matter of fact, you were going to do some building, some some work with your hands and with wood and and you worked all day and and you come back in, it's about six o'clock, and you're famished. You're you're very hungry. You have this huge appetite. In fact, you you're you you have this hunger, and you also have the availability of food, right? Because your kitchen is packed with food. If you're a guy, you've got a kitchen that's packed with food, right? I mean good food like steak. And you know, none of this pansy stuff, right? Steak and meat and potatoes, right? So your your pantry is full, your freezer is full, your refrigerator is full, and you're famished, you're hungry. But while you were out working in the garage, you had this great idea. You had this really super idea. You thought, you know, food's really expensive. Instead of taking the food from your pantry on which to, to feed yourself and to satisfy your hunger, you, you turned to something else. You, you actually brought with you from the garage today a five-gallon bucket of sawdust. And while you were out there working, you, you thought, you know, I'm producing all this sawdust. It's just going to go to waste if I don't use it. And, you know, instead of paying for food, I'm just going to start eating sawdust. So you bring your five-gallon bucket of sawdust and you sit it beside the table. Instead of getting the steak out and the potatoes out, you eat sawdust. You drink a little water, eat a little sawdust, drink a little water, eat a little sawdust, right? This is going to save you all kinds of money. You can buy more tools, right? Well, it doesn't take long, and let me just say, you know, you're not looking so good anymore because you've only been eating sawdust for a few days, and you're not looking like you used to. As a matter of fact, your friends notice, your your family notices, and they begin to, to be very concerned for you, and, and they begin to offer to make you tasty meals. In, in fact, your neighbors tend to offer to bring you meals, and your coworkers, they, they say, you know, you, you're not looking too good in this sawdust diet, you, you need to give it up, okay, and let us give you some real food. And in fact, if I could go grocery shopping for you, I, I would if you'd let me. But right up to the day you die, you persist in your diet of sawdust. Why would you not eat the wholesome food in your kitchen? That's what I'm asking you today. If you've imagined this with me, I'm, I'm asking, why were you so foolish to eat sawdust until you died? Why would you not eat the food that sustained your life? Now you say, that's a silly story. And it is. It's a stupid story, isn't it? I mean, who would do that? Who would eat from a five-gallon bucket of sawdust? Who would do that? that that's a s silly story. It, it seems so foolish. But you know what? I think that silly story illustrates well what many people do with their spiritual lives. I think that foolish story illustrates very clearly what many people do with their spiritual lives. In fact, we're going to see it this morning. We're going to see the same kind of attitude in the passage before us this morning. You've gone to John chapter 6, and I've sent you to verse 51. We're going to read from verse 51 to 59, and 
And I think we're going to see the same kind of attitude in the people in this passage before us, much like what's taking place too. I mean, think about this, much like what's taking place in the hearts of those that we've been seeing question Jesus here in John 6 is what's going on still in hearts today. People who are willing to feed their souls sawdust rather than on what they truly need. Could this also be your attitude toward Christ? That you'd rather have sawdust for your soul than the living bread, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 51 as I read and follow along through verse 59. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Now, as I read these verses, you you may have thought this language that Jesus uses is kind of offensive. You, you're probably very familiar with this passage, but, but even as I was reading it, how can we th- even think of eating Christ's flesh and, and drinking his blood? That kind of offends us, doesn't it? It kind of offends our senses, doesn't it, to think of it that way? I, I say that because it's important we understand what Jesus is saying here. One of the keys to grasping this passage is to think whenever you read the words here that indicate eating or feeding on Christ in this passage, whenever you're reading through this passage and you see these words that indicate eating and feeding on Christ, I want you to think this, faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. Anything that points to eating and feeding on Christ, think faith in Christ, okay? That will help us understand and um, shall I say, digest this this passage, okay, and to understand what Jesus is talking about here. Note to what this passage is not about. I think it's important that we point to this because so often this is a misrepresented passage in the world today. Note what this passage is not about. Some might say, as the Catholic Church does, that this passage is about the elements of the Lord's Supper actually being the the body and blood of Christ. Okay, this passage is not about that, all right? This is not about the bread and the cup or the bread and the wine actually being the body and blood of Christ. But this this passage doesn't even have anything to do with the Lord's Supper. It may make us think about the Lord's Supper, but but that's not John's purpose here. Certainly may make us think of the Lord's Supper. Certainly Jesus 
knows what he's saying here as he points to the the flesh and the blood. And it certainly may make us think of the Lord's Supper much like when Jesus says, this is, you know, the passage that, that we often use in, com- uh, in communion. This is my body, which is for you. Or this is my body, some translations say, which is broken for you. That makes us think of, Sounds much like the the Lord's Supper, and certainly the bread and the cup are symbols of Christ's body and sacrificed and um, blood and uh, shed for us. But this passage, I say, be be careful. This passage is not about the elements of the Lord's Supper, especially are not about those elements actually being Christ's body and blood. They are symbols when we think of the the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Christ, and we think in relation to the the Lord's Supper, which we're going to observe tonight, communion, and we think of those elements, the bread and the cup, the bread and the cup are symbols of Jesus' shed blood and His body sacrificed for us. They are symbols, and they're just symbols of what Jesus uh, reminded us. They're to help us remember Him, help us remember what He accomplished for us on the cross. J.C. Ryle wrote of this passage that few passages of Scripture have been so painfully twisted and perverted as that which we have now read. And that's why I point to that, because that is not what this is about, the elements of, of, of the Lord's Supper actually being the body and blood of Christ. He says, the eating and drinking of which Christ speaks do not mean any literal eating and drinking. It's not literal eating and, drink, uh, eating and drinking. Above all, the words were not spoken with any reference to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We may eat the Lord's Supper and yet not eat and drink Christ's body and blood. We may eat and drink Christ's body and blood and yet not eat the Lord's Supper. And I'm here to help you understand this morning what it means to eat Christ's body and drink His blood because that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage and John relates to us. This passage cannot be about partaking of the elements of the Lord's Supper. There's there's one glaring reason why this cannot be about the elements of the Lord's Supper. Think about this with me. There is nothing in Scripture that supports the idea of partaking of the Lord's Supper as being a requirement for salvation. Partaking of the Lord's Supper is not a requirement for salvation, much like baptism is not a requirement for salvation. But what is required for salvation? Think of this. What is required for salvation? What is required for coming to Christ? Well, that which we noted in an earlier verse or earlier verses back as we back up in chapter 6, we know that to come to Christ means to repent of sin and believe in Jesus Christ, right? Coming to Christ means repentance and faith. You turn from your sin and you turn to Christ. You believe in Christ and His finished work on the cross for you and His resurrection. So important that we get this right. The the Lord's Supper isn't necessary for your salvation. Baptism isn't necessary for your salvation. But there is something that is necessary, and it's faith in Christ. It's turning from sin. It's repenting and turning from sin and turning to Christ. And we've noted that repentance and faith are necessary for salvation. Partaking of the Lord's Supper, communion, is not. And this is why we can know 
that what Jesus tells us here is not about literally eating the body of Christ and not literally drinking His blood, but this is figurative speech. You understand that, right? This is figurative speech which points to faith in Christ. It is a metaphor for faith in Christ. Now look at verse 51 again. I am the living bread, says Jesus. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, twice already, Jesus has said that he is the the bread of life here in chapter 6. Twice already he said he is the bread of life. Once he has said that he is the bread that comes down from heaven. Now Jesus again calls himself the bread but this time he says he is, the, he is the living bread. You see that? He says he's the living bread. And he is leading up to here an idea that those who hear him are not ready to grasp. They're not ready to understand. Look at the end of verse 51 again where Jesus says, And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, what's he talking about? How can he be the living bread that's come down from heaven? How can he be the bread he gives for the life of the world? Well, it's best to understand here that Jesus is pointing to the sacrifice that he would become as he was crucified on the cross. It's just as he tells us in Matthew 20 and verse 28 when he says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. How did he serve? He went to the cross, didn't he? He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to be a sacrifice. Back in John chapter 1 in verses 29 and 36, John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God, which points to sacrifice, doesn't it? Calls him the Lamb of God, which reminds us of the, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ is. And it's clear that that Jesus here in verse 51 is talking about His own body when He says, the bread that I will give is my flesh. Now that may seem like a hard saying. It certainly was for the Jews, as we see in verse 52, because they started arguing with each other over Jesus' meaning. Look at verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They were confused, obviously, right? Hard saying. This is difficult to understand. Do you understand why they're having a hard time understanding this? Do you understand why they don't see? We noted it last time when we looked at the preceding verses. This is not the first time they've asked a question that's revealed their unbelief. They don't don't believe. They don't understand. Because they don't believe. Earlier they had complained, questioning how how could he say he comes down from heaven when they know his father and mother. He's Joseph's son after all. And now their lack of faith in Christ is revealed by their misunderstanding of, of his statement about his flesh. They're thinking, how can we eat his flesh? Now why can't they understand? Let's look back a few verses in chapter 6 to verses 44 through 48. Would you go back there with me and just back up a few verses and listen closely, beginning in verse 44, where Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father, speaking of himself. Remember what we noted here last time. Salvation is a, get this, and and we need to understand this, that salvation is a sovereign work of God. And no one comes to Christ unless the Father who sent Christ draws them to Christ. That's verse 44. See, the problem is, is we think, and this is our human thinking, it's, it's like, it's like the way we think about a life being shattered when, when God says, no, your life hasn't been shattered. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm trying you, I'm testing you, but I'm shaping you. And we look at a life that's falling apart and God says, I'm trying to use you. And this, will, this too will be for your good if you'll trust me. And we look at our salvation that way too. Sometimes we think with human terms that we think about our salvation, that, that we come to Christ, that we choose to come to Christ apart from Christ doing anything in us, when in truth, God draws us to faith in Christ. We think we have faith in God. We think that that faith is mine. I came up with that. The faith in God is in and of myself, when in truth, it is God who gives us faith to believe in Christ. And you remember what Christ told us back in verses 37 and 38? Go back up some more verses, back to verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You see, we think we think we have chosen Christ before he chose us. When in fact, God has chosen us and he has given us to the Son as a love gift. And those whom the Father has given the Son will come to Christ in repentant faith. No one will be lost who has been given by God to the Son. So when Jesus says in verse 47 and 48, that truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life, I am the bread of life, and we see the unbelief of the Jews, we can know that their unbelief is not because there's something lacking in Christ. It's not because his message wasn't clear. It's not because he failed to help them see as he spoke, right? It's not because they don't see the truth or hear the truth. They're hearing, they're seeing the truth because Jesus is speaking. There's nothing lacking in his message. What we need to understand is what's lacking is their faith. What's lacking is their faith. They don't believe in Him. They don't have faith in Christ. Their faith is lacking because their spiritual hearts are hard and their spiritual eyes are blind. And if they thought they were having a hard time with what Jesus was teaching up to this point, it's about to get even harder. Look at verses 53-56 through again. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Did you get that? You have no life in you unless... Unless what? Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood. Verse 54, Whoever feeds on My flesh and drinks My blood 
has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. You see, there is something here. I just said, I just said, we think we come to Christ when in truth he draw, we're drawn to him by God. And we think, well, what, what do I do? The Bible talks about it. We do have responsibility. Whoever feeds on my flesh, whoever drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. There is human responsibility here. Verse 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Remember that when you see here Jesus saying, eat his flesh and drink his blood, as we've already stated, he's not talking literally, he's speaking metaphorically, he's speaking of partaking of the element, he's not talking about the partaking of the Lord's Supper either, he's talking about faith in him, belief in Christ. When you see those statements, think faith in Christ, because he's the living bread, he's the bread of life, he's the good shepherd who's willingly given up his life, lays down his life, for the lives of his sheep. And I think it'd be helpful here. And let me do this. Let me let me restate these verses another way. Let me restate these verses with this idea of faith in Christ in place of the eating and drinking. So you can see what I'm talking about here. Verse 53. In verse 53, when you hear Jesus say, "Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood," you need to understand Him to mean this. Unless you believe in the Son. Unless you believe in the Son of Man and have faith that His blood was sufficient to pay for your sins, you have no life in you. You are already dead in your sins. In verse 54, when he says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, you need to hear him say, whoever believes that the sacrifice of my flesh is sufficient to save you, and has faith that my blood was shed for him, has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. In verse 55, when he says, For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink, you need to hear him saying, The sacrifice of my flesh and my blood are truly and fully sufficient to atone for your sin. And in verse 56, when he says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. You need to hear him saying, Whoever believes in the sacrifice of my body and has faith that my blood was shed for him abides in me and I in him. If you're an unbeliever today and you're wondering if God's drawing you to himself, I would suggest that he is. If you're an unbeliever today and you're hearing these words and you're thinking, I don't think I've ever really truly believed in Jesus. I don't think I've ever truly believed that His body sacrificed for me was completely sufficient to, to wash away my sin and His blood to wash away my sin. I would suggest that it's your turn to believe that God is drawing you and that it's time for you to believe in the Son. Because that is your responsibility. God commands you to believe in His Word. You need to hear Christ saying, whoever believes in the sacrifice of my body and has faith that my blood was shed for him abides in me and I in him. If you don't believe, you do not have life. You're already dead. Again, J.C. Ryle, I think, helps us here when he says of this, the eating and drinking without which there is no life in us means that reception 
of Christ's sacrifice, which takes place when a man believes on Christ crucified for salvation. It is an inward and spiritual act of the heart and has nothing to do with the body. Whenever a man, feeling his own guilt and sinfulness, lays hold on Christ and trusts in the atonement made for him by Christ's death, at once he eats the flesh of the Son of Man and drinks his blood. His soul feeds on Christ's sacrifice by faith, just as his body would feed on bread, believing he is said to eat, believing he is said to drink, And the special thing that he eats and drinks and gets benefit from is the atonement made for his sins by Christ's death for him on Calvary. And that is true because it's just as Jesus says in verse 55. Look at verse 55 again. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. You see, the sacrifice of Christ's body and the shedding of his blood is completely sufficient to atone for your sins and mine. And Jesus makes clear to us why this is true in verse 57. 57 says, as the living Father sent me. You hear, the living Father sent me. And I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me he also will live because of me. You see, our responsibility is to feed on Christ. Our responsibility is to have faith in Christ. Eternal life is for those who truly feed on Christ, those who truly turn from their sin in repentance and believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. But so many do not believe And there is human responsibility to believe. God's Word commands us to believe. But so many, sadly, so many spend their whole lives completely neglecting the food that endures to eternal life, which is Jesus Christ, the living bread, right? But they neglect the living bread, and instead they'd rather eat sawdust. Pursuing the food that perishes, or better put, maybe the food that causes you to perish. Why pursue the food in this life that causes us to perish? Because it distracts us from living for Christ and giving ourselves wholeheartedly, our whole soul, our whole body, our mind to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why pursue sawdust over the Savior? Verse 58, Jesus reminds us that this is, He is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. He's talking about the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years eating God's provision of manna. That was was sustaining for their lives for a time, and they eventually died. He's not like that. How? He gives eternal life. Because whoever feeds on this bread, 58, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Spend your life eating sawdust 
and you'll have no life. Pursue the food that perishes. Pursue the things of this life, failing to put your faith in Christ. And Jesus says to you, verse 53, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. All the while, you thought you were living life. Right? We think, I'm going to live life. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to pursue the things that make me feel good. And that's sawdust. You realize that? As one commentator says, of those who refuse to believe in Jesus, they are dying of hunger through their own folly while the food is close beside them. Like the guy who sits in his kitchen with a pantry filled, the refrigerator stocked, and puts in his bowl sawdust. Verse 58 says, Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So here's the bottom line. If you, with your whole soul, feed on the body and drink of the blood of Christ by way of fully trusting in His sacrifice for your sins, which is you partaking of the living bread, which is Jesus Christ, then you are assured of eternal life. You are kept by Christ. And you will be raised up on the last day. We think about unbelievers when we think about this passage, those who refuse to believe, maybe those who we've shared the gospel with, and we plead with them. Partake of the living bread. Believe in Jesus Christ. Why won't you? But I suggest it's even possible for you as a believer in Jesus Christ to feed your soul sawdust. Spiritually dying of hunger through your own folly. Feasting on the sawdust of this world rather than continually feasting on Christ. Do you realize that Christ is your continual feast? You don't come to Christ and it's all done. Now I'm Christ, I'm kept. He's going to raise me on the last day. I've, I've partaken of the bread of life. You need to keep partaking of the bread of life. He sustains you. He grows you. He strengthens you. He gives you trials that stretch you at times. You need to feast on Christ continually. You need to keep your trust in Him. You need to look to Christ alone daily, follower of Christ. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ, to follow Christ, right? Daily. Keep your trust in Him. Look to Christ alone daily. Because Christ says, come to me. Come to me. Partake of the bread of life. Believe in me, says Christ. And live. Live. Eternally, yes. But you realize your eternity begins the moment you believe. And the eternal life is yours from the moment you believe. And it begins to give you new life in Christ. The life you could not have of your own making. Come to Christ. Partake of the bread of life.
believe in Christ, and live. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we do thank you for Jesus Christ, the living bread that came down from heaven. Oh God, we are so thankful that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be the sacrifice, the only sufficient sacrifice for our sins. We praise you and thank you for willingly sending your son to to be cruelly treated, to suffer and die. Oh God, I pray. Help your people today to look carefully at their own lives and to be done with the sawdust. Start feeding daily on Christ. God, I pray for unbelievers with us today. We're so thankful that you brought them to join with us today. But God, I pray, I pray don't, don't let them leave this place without the conviction of the Holy Spirit drawing them to, the, to, you, to you. Help them to realize they need to turn from the world's distractions and turn to Christ, the living bread. Because we know your flesh is true food and your blood is true drink. We know that you live and the Son lives. And we praise you that we can place our trust in Jesus Christ and be saved eternally. To live for Christ. To be fed by the living bread. Father, I pray that you would help us as your people to be done with the world's distractions, to be careful with what we look at, how we spend our time, and what we invest in, and what we pursue, and what captures our affections. God, help help us to be captured in our affections by Jesus Christ, in obedience to Him. Lord, help us to enjoy all the good things that You have blessed us with. But in our enjoyment of them, Lord, help us to to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.